Amen. Amen, amen, amen. You can have the little ones dismissed with Miss, Miss Bailey. Come up. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't we begin with a word of prayer as we prepare for the word of the Lord this morning. At least you can turn my mic down just a little bit. Thank you. Father, we do thank you, Lord God, this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the king of glory. Father, I pray this morning that you would take these lips of clay. Do with them, Father, what you desire to do with them. Father, take my heart and take my mind. Give me good continuity of thought that I might bring forth this word this morning, Father, not according to my own will, but, Father, as you would be here standing yourself bringing it, let me die that you might increase in me, Father God. Let the people see all of you and none of me, for, Lord, we have come to feast upon your table this morning. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. I pray that we will break some hard ground this morning and and that, Lord God, you will make some crooked places straight, some rough places plain today, that you will bring clarity, faith and hope to the hearer. Lord, as the word is being proclaimed this morning and Father, we will give you the glory as always. We will give you the honor for what you're doing today, here and now in our midst. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 43. Uh, We'll begin reading in verses 18 through 21. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 through 21. And it reads, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. (laughs) Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me. The jackals and the ostriches because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. This morning, I want to talk to you about the subject of forgetting the former things and embracing your future. Forgetting the formal things and embracing your future. For some of us, 2009, and I'm sure that if I had an opportunity to speak with each and every one of you, you all can tell me various kinds of testimonies and things that you experienced this past year. Maybe you're one of those that in 2009 that you had a spectacular year. I mean, doors open up for you. Uh, You receive your your breakthrough, the thing that you have been believing God for. Things happen. You know, it just seemed like that you was on this kind of a, a cloud of anointing that you just never wanted to leave. Perhaps that's you. Or perhaps you find yourself on the other end of the spectrum. Perhaps this could have been one of your most challenging and difficult years. 
year 2009. Perhaps it may have started off good. And I always say that every, every beginning of the new year, it always starts off real good, doesn't it? I mean, it, it seemed like, you know, we make these resolutions. It's kind of like, you know, when I, you know, you go to the gym, you work out. Right around January, February, you see a whole host of people just flooding the gym. I mean, they, I'm like, man, where do these people come from? And then shortly, you know, you don't see them no more. You know, another month or so, it's like it, it, they're gone. So everything seems to always kind of start with good intentions, but, but sometimes circumstances of life hits you. Trials come in your life. Difficulties come in your life. And all of a sudden, you find yourself behind the eight ball trying to figure out, my gosh, what's going on? I, I did not plan this. I did not anticipate this thing happening to me. Well, it could have come in the form of you're losing a job. You could have had some health-related issues or a deteriorating relationship. Uh, it, it could have been a, a whole host of things that could have happened to you in 2009. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is that whatever happened to you in 2009, that you don't want to allow what happened in the past to abort what God wants to do in your life in this coming year. You see, sometimes, you know, the experiences that we've had, you know, maybe you thought to yourself as you come into this new year, you thought, you know, maybe, you know, um, for me, things are never going to be any different. You know, I, you know, in fact, I prayed, I've been asking God for this, I've been believing God for that, and you know, it's a new year, but so what? And if you're not careful, you have no real hope and no real expectation that anything in your life is really going to change, that everything is going to be the same. And so we live our lives just kind of flat, just kind of going into it, saying whatever will be, will be. But as I read my Bible, I, I don't see anything in the scripture that suggests that we should have that kind of attitude. In fact, when you look at the, you look at, I want you to just track with it, stay with it for a minute. But you look at the, in the New Testament, you read about the, I'm sorry, in the book of Hebrews, yes, in the New Testament, you read about the, 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 the hall of fame, a hall of faith, we call it. I believe in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all these, how they had to conquer some stuff. They had to overcome some things, but yet some of them died in faith, not having received the promise, but they embraced it afar off. They live in a perpetual state of mind that my situation will and can change at any moment. That's the way they live. How are you going into 2010? Is your attitude with pastor, I'm just, you know, I'm just whatever happens will happen. Or are you one of those that are saying, you know what, this is going to be my year. Things are going to happen for me. God is going to open some doors for me. Nothing is going to stay the same. I am going to get my breakthrough, the thing that I have been believing God for. Because children of faith, that's the way we're supposed to live. We're not, listen, we're not supposed to walk around full of doubt and unbelief, thinking to ourselves that, you know what, it's always been this way. How many of you have ever said that? It's always been this way. Even if you did, you wouldn't tell me. As always, it's nothing going, it's not going to change. If you're a believer, something can change at any moment. You know, we, we went through our Christmas series and we talked about how when the angels showed up with the, uh, uh, Zacharias, you know, he was just kind of going through the motions of life. And all of a sudden, his life was changed in an instant because he had a confrontation with an angel. Say, look, you're gonna, your prayer has been heard. 
And he didn't anticipate that move of God, but it happened. And so as we're talking about embracing our future, we cannot allow the things that happened in the past to get us down. In fact, some of you may be thinking to yourself, how many of you have ever felt like God has forgotten you? You ever felt that way? Can I tell you, I'll be honest with you. There have been times I felt like, you know what? I'm just one, you know, I'm just one person on the earth just occupying space because I've been crying out and I've been believing and I've been praying. And boy, it just seemed like, is anybody listening to me? How many of you have been praying some long time prayers and you're like, Lord Jesus. And, and you know, and you'll think to yourself, and sometimes you're not careful, you think God's forgotten me. Or either he's obviously not paying any attention to me. I mean, I heard the pastor. I mean, I listen to preaching. I, I come to church. I go through the motion. But boy, it seemed like that nothing's really happening. God has forgotten me. But when you serve a God who says that every hair on your head is numbered. Now, granted, I've lost some. Right back here. But how many know that's pretty spectacular? If a God who can count every hair on your head, he is intimately acquainted with every aspect of your life. God has not taken a vacation on you. Turn to Isaiah chapter 49. Listen, I want you to, I want you to hear this. I want you to see it visually. Isaiah chapter number 49, just a couple of chapters over. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 through 16. The people of God was in the depressed state of mind, and Isaiah was ministering to them. But listen to this. This is a word for us today. I'm going to speak somewhat prophetically to us today. Is that okay? It says in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 14, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. Listen to this. And my Lord has forgotten me. (laughs) My, my, my. Can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb. Surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget. See, look at verse 16. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Glory to God. That's a declaration that somebody needs to make. That God says, no, no, I have not forgotten you. For the scripture says that he hears the prayers of the righteous. And he said, my ears are always open to the prayers of the saints. Well, you say, well, pastor, I haven't been so righteous. I know that. He know that, too. That's why Jesus is your righteousness. He is your perfection who intercedes on your behalf. But the point of the scripture is, the book says that God said, I haven't forgotten you. I've inscribed you on the palms of my hand. Everywhere I go, I take you with me. You know, God is always thinking about you. He remembers you. He, think, he, he is aware of the situation that you're experiencing. He understands what you are going through, and he has not forgotten. God is in the process of bringing Turning that thing around. You got to believe that. You serve a God 
who is able, we said it before, to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. You hear us say that all the time. You serve a God who says that I, I know how many hairs are on your head. You serve a God who created the heavens and the earth and all of their hosts, who spoke the world into existence. You serve a God who is all-powerful, who is almighty, an all-consuming God, a great and glorious God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't tell me that he has forgotten you and your little issue. No, he hasn't forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. But in Isaiah chapter 43, he says, and that was kind of like our foundational text. He says, do not remember the former things. Do not remember the former things. Think about that for a moment. Now, is God saying there that hit the delete button and don't remember anything about your past? In fact, it never, ever happened. Is that what God is saying? No. He's not saying He's not saying don't remember in the context of the scripture. He's saying don't let the things that happened to you in the past debilitate your ability of embracing your future and what I want to do for you here and now. Because, you know, we can do that, can't we? You know, that could be either good or bad. Let's say, for example, you ever heard people say, well, you know, they had a great experience in the past, and, and I remember how it what? Used to be. And they stay stuck in the past, never really ready and able to grasp the future. We hear that a lot of times from older people. Oh, in, in fact, I'm reminded of a story in the, in the Old Testament, in, the, in, the, in, in uh, I believe, Ezra, uh, when they were building the temple. The original temple that Solomon built had been destroyed. And so they had rebuilt the temple. And there were some older, there was a younger generation that had rebuilt the temple, and they were all excited. They saw this, this temple being built, and boy, they were praising God. They were shouting, hallelujah, God, the temple has been rebuilt. But then there was that older crowd that had saw the former temple. They saw the old temple, the original one. They stood there, and they were crying because they were saying, I remember, it ain't like it used to be. I remember the old, the old temple. It's, it's not the same. So you can get stuck in your past, so much stuck that you cannot see what God is doing here in the now. God is about to do a new thing in your life. A new thing. He says, he says here in verse 19 in Isaiah chapter 43, Behold, I will do a new thing. When he speaks there about a new thing, it is not something that you can necessarily conjure up in your mind. You can't plan this. God says, I'm going to do a new thing. That means it's going to be totally independent of anything that has happened in your life in the past. This is going to be something that is a God thing, a God moment. I'm going to do a new thing. And then he asked the question, shall it not spring forth? Shall you not know it? He's asking a rhetorical question. Because what God does, when God purposes to do a new thing in your life, it's going to be done in such a way that everybody knows. And I'm speaking prophetically here this morning. 
that everybody knows, that everybody's going to know that God did it. You ever had something happen in your life and, and you know, and everybody else around you know that you know what? That the way that brother changed, that sister changed, whatever happened in their life, how that thing turned around, God did it. And I want to, I don't know about you, but I want to be able to have some things that happened in 2010 that I can say, God did it. And, and I can testify how that I believe God. And he did a new thing in my life. Something that I didn't even imagine. Something that I didn't even think about. God did a new thing. He brought me out. He delivered me. He gave me hope in the midst of despair. He gave me peace and joy in turmoil type situations. But see, you got to believe in yourself that God is going to do a new thing. You got to go into your 2010 saying this is going to be a new year, new year, new opportunity. God is going to do a new thing. He is going to do something awesome in my life. I mean, no, a new thing means a new thing. That means stop trying to look. Don't be trying to look back in the past and try to make it like it was in the past. Or, or don't let what happened in 2009 cause you to have a melancholy attitude toward God. Oh, what will be will be. No, no, no. God is going to do a new thing. This is my year. Something that I can't even fathom or imagine. See, I'm preaching faith this morning. You got to reach up and grab hold of this. So he says he's going to do a new thing. Look at your neighbor and say he's going to do a new thing. How about a new thing? He asked the question, shall it not spring forth? He says, I love this. He says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. See, rivers, wilderness is symbolic of a place of nothingness. I remember as a little kid, a couple of times, I grew up in the woods. I didn't grow up in the hood. I grew up in the woods. I mean, literally. That's why I spent a lot of my times. You can call me a lumberjack. I don't know what you call a person to hang out in the woods, but I spent. And there was a couple of times when me and my friends, we would go off into places deep into the wooded area. And ever so often, I would get completely lost. I would get disoriented because, you know, either I was chasing my dog or I was chasing some bug or got off the beat. Something that was happening. And all of a sudden I look around and I'm like, oh, where am I? And that happened to me a couple of times. And, and you know, you ever had that feeling you kind of get scared because you, 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 you're in a place you're not really sure where you are. You, you know, that's a that's a that's a bad place to be. God says. And believe this for 2010. He said, he says, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. In other words, he's going to give you direction. Some of you got things that are happening in your life right now that you're just utterly confused about. You're not really sure which way this thing is going to turn out. You're not really sure how you're going to get out the situation. You're, you're standing there, you're trapped, you're sitting there, you're confused, and you're not, you're trying to, God, how am I going to get out of this? Maybe it's a relational problem. Maybe it's a financial problem. Uh, maybe it's some kind of problem on the job. Whatever it is, you look at it and you say, God, I'm looking at this thing. I don't see how this thing is going to change in my life. I don't see how I'm going to get out of this. Here's your declaration. God says, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. When he says a road, I'm going to give you a pathway that leads you out. That God is saying that that situation that you're looking at, that you're saying impossibility. How many know God specializes in dealing with the impossible? You serve a God who is not, you know, God is not limited 
We are. But God, your God, is not limited in anything that he can do. So God said, here's what God said. God said, I'm going to give you a railway. In other words, I'm going to show you how to get out of that. I'm going to provide for you wisdom, understanding. I'm going to give you your breakthrough. You see, the Bible says, and he said, Pastor, come on. What are you talking about? You see, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Come on. You can't tell me you, you want God to move on your life. You can't tell me you want God to provide uh, uh, a roadway, a pathway in your situation, and you have no faith, and you just kind of just kind of existing. Let me tell you something. You ought to live every day believing and hoping and knowing that your breakthrough is going to happen. I look at this situation. I don't see it yet. That's okay. Because the Bible said the just shall live by what? Faith. Faith means you can't always see what's, how this thing is going to turn out. But God says, here's what I'm going to do. If you trust me, if you trust me, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. I'm going to give you a pathway. You're going to see light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to bring you out. That got to be your declaration for 2010. But then I like how he says that I will give you rivers in dry places, rivers of water in the desert. How many of you got some dry places in your life? Some dry places, things that just seem like. You know, you got things in life that seem like there's nothing happening. <laughs> seem like there's just no growth. Seem like there's just no vitality. Now, you got to understand who God was talking to when he was talking to the people of God. The people of God had been carried away. They were, they were dealing with a, a, a lack of hope and faith in God for their own sin that had led them to the place that they were. They were oppressed. They weren't happy about their situation. And then here comes the man of God. And he says, look, don't remember the former things. I'm going to make a way out of no way. That's the way I like to say it. And he said, I'm going to give you rivers of water in your dry places of your life. That you need to believe, God, that some things in your life, there's going to be vitality. There's going to be some things that's going to happen. Some greenness is going to spring up in your life. And I'm not talking about the Philadelphia Eagles green color that Sister Diva likes. But there are going to be some greenness that's going to spring out of your life. See, you got to believe that. See, I can stand up here and I can preach this and y'all can look at me. But listen, I'm preaching faith to you this morning. You got to say, look, I'm going to take that and I'm going to bring that right here. I'm going to grab hold of that. You got to grab hold to it. You see? You got to believe God. You got to stand up on your feet and say, no, no, this ain't going to happen. No, no, this thing is not going to stay like this. You know, you remember that woman that had the issue of blood. She was out there. She'd been, for how many years? 12 years she was hemorrhaging. Did spend every dime she could. Every penny trying to get healed. Couldn't get healed. Heard about Jesus. The woman pressed to the crowd, bleeding. Scripture don't say that, but if she's hemorrhaging, I got to believe that she was still sick. She said, look, I'm going to get, I believe, if I can just, if I can, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. If I can just get close enough, I know my situation is going to change. And when that woman, and the, and the whole crowd was pressing up against Jesus. The whole crowd was pressing up against him. And, and this woman, she, she touched him. And the Bible says immediately she was healed. The hemorrhaging stopped. And Jesus stopped. But all the people who were bumping up against him, and he said, who touched me? See, faith moves God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's one, one scripture in the Bible where a woman asked the Lord Jesus for to heal her daughter. Jesus said, I can't give the children bread to the dogs. 
And the woman was so persistent. You know what she said? She said, well, there, Lord, but even the dogs that eat the crumbs off the floor. Glory to God. She said, even the dogs can get the crumbs. Jesus said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be unto you according to as you ask. You follow me? Are you following me this morning? What are you believing God for in 2010? If you listen to me, if you want God to move on your behalf, you've got to develop a faith. You've got to develop a tenacity of faith that says, God, I'm going to press into this. I'm going to get my breakthrough and, and, and be like, who was it? Was it Jacob that wrestled with God? The all night long, sometimes you just got to wrestle. He said, I ain't going to let you go until you bless me. You remember the woman who came to Jesus who was praying? Uh, not Jesus, but Jesus gave this uh, a parable of the judge, the unjust, the widow who came and said, avenge me of my enemies. And, and the Bible said because the woman kept bothering the judge so much, he was an unjust judge. He said, look, woman, get what you want, whatever you want. You can have it because I'm just tired of you just coming up here. Keep troubling me. And Jesus gave that parable so that men ought always to pray and not faint. There was persistent. There was a belief. There was something in them that said that my situation will not stay the same. That there's going to be a change in my life in 2010. You see, you got to believe that. He's going to make a way for you. Amen. Now, are you being blessed so far? See, he's going to make a way out of no way. As I said before, what are you believing God for in 2010? What is it that you want God to do in your life? And then what is your attitude about it? Because, you know, one of the things I learned about God, and you've probably seen this, too, that you can sit back and you can whine and you can moan and you can complain. But you will never get God to move on your behalf with that attitude. Got to just sit there and say, okay, when you finish, I'll be here ready. Faith moves God. Faith moves God. When the people decide no more, that God, I'm going to believe you for the impossible. God hears that. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those that get God attention. You know, that, that when, you know, when I get on my knees and I pray that, you know, that God, God, it's Gary. I want, to be, I want to be one of those that, that soon I get them and God, oh, that's, I know who that is. See, turn to Philippians chapter number two, I believe. Is it chapter two or chapter three? Chapter three. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Philippians chapter number three. Oh, hallelujah. Philippians chapter number three. Look at this. Now, the Apostle Paul, this, this passage of scripture I absolutely love because there, it's loaded with insight. There's like 10 or 15 different scriptures, uh, sermons that he can get out of this. It's so loaded. I love this passage of scripture. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says here in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, I'm sorry Philippians chapter number 3, uh, verses 12 through 15, I believe. Listen to this. He says now, not that I have already attained (laughs) or am already perfected, he says, 
but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. One thing I do. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. How many of you would say you're mature in the Lord? If you say you're mature in the Lord, this is how you must think. And if in anything else you think otherwise, God will even reveal this to you. Now, listen, listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying there. Paul, Paul tells you right from the beginning. He says, not that I have already attained. In other words, Paul was simply saying, I know I haven't arrived yet. How many of you would say I haven't gotten there yet? I haven't arrived. Uh, anybody have anybody here arrived in God? If you have, please let me get with me because I need to I need to I need to I need to talk to you. You know, the apostle Paul said that I am the chief among sinners. Did he not? Paul said in one place that by the grace of God, I am what I am. I know that I don't deserve it. You know that I don't deserve it. But, you know, God just decided to bless me. And I, I don't know what else to say. He just blessed me. Paul says, not that I have already attained. I know I have issues. Perhaps in 2009, you've blown it a couple of times. Have anybody ever blown it? Yeah, you ever blown it? Yeah. You just messed up. You knew when you did it, you messed up. You said, I, I, I shouldn't have did that. I, 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 what, I, what, what was I thinking about? Paul talks about this struggle sometime in the flesh. That the thing that I want to do, I find myself not doing. The thing I hate, I find myself doing. But the thing I really want to do, I don't do. What's up with me? It's almost like the brother is schizophrenic. And we think about the Apostle Paul. We think of a man that, that, that had it all together, right? You think of somebody say Apostle Paul. Oh, man, that, that's remember. He was pretty. Paul would tell you, he said, I'm the chief. But I may know that God's mercies are new every morning. In fact, in Lamentations, I love this. In Lamentations 3, chapter, uh, verses 22 to 23, you can jot it down or you can read it on the screen if you have it. It says, though the Lord's mercies are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. His mercies. Great is thy faithfulness. You know that you cannot exhaust the mercy of God. Because, you see, you have looked back in your 2009 and you said, Lord, you know, I can't, I can't get my breakthrough because I've blown it. I've messed up royally. And, and you know what? And because I messed up, God, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to be stuck right here because I've blown it so bad. Let me tell you something. The Bible says when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and to do what? Cleanse. You know, that should be, that should be some, a scripture that you just keep in your pocket all the time. Because you know you're always messing up. And you can look at that and say, oh, Lord, let me confess. And he said, he's faithful and just to forgive, but not only to forgive, but to cleanse from all unrighteousness. So you may say, well, well you know, I don't know if I can. You need to understand that his mercies. God doesn't have to ration out his mercy as the heavens are high above the earth. So great is his mercy toward us who fear him. But Paul says one thing. He says, I press on. 
Look at the person beside you. Find somebody to look at and just say, I press on. Well, pastor, you don't understand what I did last night. Oh, I press on. You don't understand. I had a bad week last week. I press on. You don't understand. I mean, this, I mean, this thing is bad. I mean, I messed up. I ran my mouth. I did. I press on. You see, if, see, if you're going to get what God has for you, you can't stumble to the point of just falling flat on your face and stand there. The Bible says that the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets right back up. Hallelujah. Boy, that ought to make you happy. You mean I can fall and I, you can get right back up, confess, dust your knee. I tell my kids, you know, they, and they were growing up, my little ones, they used to fall and bust their knee. Get up, wipe it off. Get back in the game. Keep going. You know, that's how God does you when you fall on your face. He says, get up, dust your knees off. Keep going. You can do this. You can do this. But you got to have an attitude going into 2010 that I'm pressing on regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how I feel. I'm going to press in on into what God has for me. And sometimes you're going to be downright tired. Tired. Exhausted. How many of you have ever been there? You've just been tired emotionally. Spiritually, you're just tired. But something in you got to say, I got to press. It's kind of like you know, and lifting those weights in the gym. And people ask me, you know, and I'm an I'm, I'm old man now. That's one thing I think I can get you at. I can lift more weights than you can. I can do that. Uh, but, you know, when you lift weights, there's all that resistance that's coming against you. And, and guys that ask me, they'll say, how is it that you can lift that much weight? And I say, you know what? Because I've been pressing since 1985, and I haven't stopped. There were times I didn't feel like coming in the gym. In fact, 90% of the time, no, let me correct that. 98% of the time, I do not feel like going into the gym today. I don't. If I went strictly on the way I feel, brother, I would never get there. Y'all be lucky y'all see me on Sunday morning if I went on how I feel. But what I did was I just kept pressing. Sometimes I got a little tendonitis in the elbow. But I kept pressing. There were some days I couldn't lift as much weight, but I kept pressing. There were some days I walked in the gym, I didn't do anything at all, but I kept pressing. I kept coming back. I stayed at it. I stayed at it. That's what the attitude that you got to have. See, that, that's what moved God, that kind of tenacity of faith that says that I'm going to stay at it. Paul says, he said, listen, listen, watch this. Are you listening? Say amen. Paul said this, Paul said, you know, he said, I know I haven't attained there. I know I haven't arrived. I know I still got issues. But, but you know what? But here's one thing I do. Out of all the stuff, he said, out of all the problems and things that's going on in my life, there's just one little thing I do. He said, I forget those things which are what? Behind. And I reach forward to the things which are before. Mm, glory to God. Paul said, that's the one thing that I know I got to get that right. If I don't get nothing else right, I got to put down. Listen, I got to forget what happened back there. I can't listen. I can't change that. But I can keep pressing and reaching for what God has before me. So every day of my life, Paul was saying every day of my life, he was living like this. He wasn't doing one of these. No, he was always this way. Reaching, reaching. 
trying to grab. He said, I'm pressing on toward the upward calling God in Christ Jesus. See, that's what real, you know, that's what real faith is. You know, you are an overcomer. If you walk in faith, you're an overcomer. Paul says, one thing I do, I can't hold on to that. I can't because I know if I hold on to it, I can't get what God has for me. I can't. I, can. I got to let go of the past and I got to embrace my future with optimism. Hallelujah. And look at uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. Let's go back to Jeremiah. I like to say my son's book because his name is Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. Now, you know, and uh, actually, I, I know I put down a lot of scripture, but look, let's just focus on verse 11. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Now, paraphrasing, the people of God were carried away into Babylon, and they had been stuck in a foreign land, and they wanted to go back home. How many of you have ever been into a place that you just want to go back home? I just want to go back. I just want to go back. He's stuck. And here it is, the prophet gets, the prophet sends a word to the people of God. Because there were some folks saying to them, you know what, you are all going to stay, uh, you all going to leave, God's going to take you back to your land, it's going to come real quick. And Jeremiah said, no, no, you're going to have to stay here another, uh, right around 70 year time period before you can leave. And I imagine that some folks probably heard that report and probably got a little bit depressed. Like, oh, my God, I don't want to stay here. Oh, God. And God said the word. God said to them, build houses, have kids. You can read it there in your own time. Jeremiah chapter 29. So establish a family. Get yourself a nice car. Settle it in because you're going to be here a minute. But I like the letter, though, that he sent was laced with hope because he says in Jeremiah 29, 11, and everybody know this verse. People can quote it in their sleep. Even people who don't necessarily walk with God the way that some of us think we ought to walk. But look what he says here. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Glory to God. This is, this is prophetic. Says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now. Now, I did that on purpose. God wants you to look up. Think about this. God says, first of all, that verse is low. He's for, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. I know the thoughts. Or, in one version says, for I know the plans that I have toward you. First thing you need to recognize is that your life is not just out there. You're not just existing. God has a plan for your life. You know, everything that happened in your life, sometimes you think, you ever felt like your life is just out of control, you have no control? God does. God said, I know the plans I have for you. (coughs) And what does God think about us when he says, I know the thoughts I have for you? He says, watch this, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So you mean to tell me that when God thinks about me, here's what God is thinking about me and you. He's thinking about how I'm going to give you a beautiful future and a nice hope. I'm going to bless you. When God thinks about you, God is plotting your success. You ever thought about that verse that way? 
Because, the, you know, he, he said, he says, I know, the, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future. No, God said, I'm taking you somewhere. <laughs> I'm taking you somewhere. You just got to hold on and believe me, but I'm taking you someplace. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. God is not out there planning our demise. No, God is plotting your success. I know the thoughts. When God thinks about you, he's thinking about giving you peace. He's thinking about giving you a future. He's thinking about giving you a life filled with hope. Well, you may say, well, pastor, that's Old Testament. Try the New New Testament version. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more, what? Abundantly. You know that word abundant, abundantly mean in the Greek? To the full and overflowing. You know, God wants your life to be filled with abundant grace. He wants you, he wants, he has, a, I mean, it's so, it's, it's so exciting to know that he has a future. And he has a plan for me. That God has mapped out my life. I mean, the Bible says a man's mind plan his way, but it is God who directs his steps. So you make your little old plans, you know, like we do. And then God just kind of jumps right in and bring direction to it. How many of you have ever done that? You made a little plans? All of us have, right? We made plans. We say, this is where I'm going to do it. And then God just come right in and go, boop. And somehow he redirects you right where you need to be. And sometimes you're like, I, this doesn't make sense to me. But God says, and here's what you have to trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your what? Path. He shall direct your path. Trust in him with all your heart. Don't lean, don't lean, don't lean. But I need to understand. This doesn't make sense to me. Okay. <laughs> what else is do? It ain't supposed to always make sense to you. But you can know this, that God has a plan for your life. And God says, I'm going to give you a future and a hope. He's already plotted out your success. You just got to walk into it. As you go into your 2010, you need to just walk into it. Say, you know what? I'm not worried about anything. That's why you shouldn't be worried. That's why you shouldn't be up sitting up there. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to get. I refuse to live in that kind of bondage. If the scripture says he has a plan for my life, I'm not going to walk around doubt and unbelief and talking about, oh, woe is me. How am I going to make it up out of this? No, 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 no. God will make a way because he has a plan. I'm his. I'm his. You're his. You belong to him. Finally, look at verse in Philippians, chapter number four. This is our last verse we're going to look at. I believe it's Philippians chapter number four and closing four eight. Listen to this. Philippians four eight. Hallelujah. Well, I'll just read it. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You know what he's talking about there? Is the way you think, your perspective. You know how your 2010 is going to shape up? You know how? I want everybody to look up this way. I'm going to tell you, you know how your 2010 is going to shape up? Based on how you think. What's your mental approach to your situation? 
Paul is telling you how you need to think. Now, now, mind you, Paul was writing the book of Philippians from jail. Am I right about it? He was in jail. The, the whole theme of the book of Philippians is rejoice. Does <laughs> it make sense? He's in jail for some. He ain't commit no crimes, y'all. Not really. He's writing in jail, and he's talking about, look, you need, this is how you need to think. Anything praiseworthy, anything good, you know, uh, anything that's pure and lovely. He said, this is the way you need to think about your life. This is the way you need to approach every situation. Some of you have just been just negative, 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 negative. Oh, ah, humbug. Who's that guy, Scrooge? Your life is just Scrooge-like. Oh, humbug. You know, everything is just... Oh, nothing ever good. You know, Paul, there's nothing about our lives that we should walk around talking that way, being negative. No, no. Paul said, look, this is how you need to think. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are just, whatever thing is pure. He said, there's anything praiseworthy. This is what you need to be meditating on. This is how you need to look at your life. I was, we was meeting with a man last night, uh, me and Larry, who's uh, a brother who's in the hospital, just had a stroke. And, and you know, and and, you know, not one time did, he, did I hear him say, and, quote, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember him saying not one time that, you know, I, I, this is just bad. I'm never going to come up out of this. And he, you know what he kept saying? He was, did he eat? He eating all his food. And here's a guy that can't move a whole side of his body now. Now, because, now, you know, we can be really spiritual, right? You know how we are. We can be spiritual. But, you know, if you sit in the hospital and you just had a stroke, and half of your body can't move, and you don't really know if it's ever going to move, you think you might have a strong appetite? This brother, I don't have a strong appetite, but he's there talking, talking about all kind of stuff, talking about family, and says, but, you know, it's going, he looked, he said, but it's going to be all right. He didn't do well at all on the fact that, brother, yeah, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, brother, brother said he had a stroke. But, you know, his mind, he just wouldn't allow himself to go there. And, and all that, he said, I got an enlarged heart. Here's what the brother said. He said, my, he said, for 15 or so years, I've been dealing with high blood pressure, blood pressure up in the 300 range, some ungodly number. He said, I got an, an, an enlarged heart, you know, and they can't get my blood pressure down. And I had a stroke about a year ago and I just had another one. I mean, he had every reason to sit there and say, I'm going to give up. I said, brother, I said, brother what did the doctor say? I said, he, said, he said, well, they just say they're gonna, they, they don't know, but they're going to try something different. But it's going to be all right. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> brother, great is your faith. But, you know, that's the way that we need to be. And half of us ain't that bad, are we? Boy, you, you know, we get to a point we can't put gas in the trunk. The world is over. If I can't get a hot dog. God, you know, we just, we, we're going off the rocker, you know. Or we get our little finger sprain, caught up in the door, you know, you know yelling and screaming. His brother sitting there, we can't move half his body. And I'm sitting there myself thinking, you know, it's kind of reminding me of Jesus said, you know, the one person, he says, when I, when I come back on the earth, Will I find faith? Will I find people who believe me? That's the attitude you got to have in 2010. All of us. It's not a doom and gloom that I'm going to come out of this. 
God is going to do a new thing in my life. I'm going to receive my breakthrough. Things are going to change for me. And I'm just going to confess it. I'm not going to worry about this or that. I'm just going to believe God. You know why? Because he tells me to do that. So I just want to live the way he tells me to live. And I leave all the details and all the other stuff. I'll leave it alone. I'm just going to trust him. I'm just going to trust him. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, how great is your...